This is Wonder, the travel podcast, where you can listen to conversations about experiences, adventures, and all things travel. My name is Christine Mitchie, and welcome to Wonder. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us here on Wonder today. My name is Christine, and I'm really excited to take you through a really great episode that we have today, which is also our first ever wildcard episode. Today, with our first wildcard episode, we're going to be talking about six tips to beat jet lag. But before we get into that, I wanted to give you all a little bit of context on how we decided to come up with the wildcard episode format. So when we were thinking about ways we can keep this this podcast interesting and informative and give you a range of content on all the different parts of travel. Thought it would be interesting to keep the locations the majority, but also to add in some different topics that come up through natural travel, you know, different opportunities to talk about maybe some things that are a little bit different. Maybe they're a little bit more distantly related to travel, but they're interesting, or maybe any suggestions that you all have of things you would like to hear, making sure that we have a space to talk about those in the podcast as well. We'll be adding one wildcard episode after three of the location-based episodes. So last week we had our third location-based episode. And then this week we'll have wildcard. Next week we'll be back to locations again. I think it'll be really exciting. I also had gotten a little bit of inspiration. There's a couple podcasts that I listen to and they have a podcast, whether it's a bonus episode or just a regular episode that is just a little bit different from their weekly episodes, which I really like. I think it's really interesting. I think it'd also be really fun at some point to do things like travel horror stories and really crazy things and whatnot as well. So to keep things interesting, we'll have this time to talk about those topics outside of any specific location. But we can go ahead and get into our topic today on six tips to beat jet lag. So a little bit of context about how this came about. I was really thinking about what would be interesting to start the wild card with. In reflecting on some of my own recent travels, I realized that one of the things I had felt really successful about doing recently was overcoming jet lag. And I wanted to put together a couple of tips and tricks, things to implement into your routine that can help you mitigate the the experience of having jet lag. But before we go into that, just a disclaimer, everything in this podcast, all of these in my podcast, uh, the opinions are my own. I'm also not a doctor or anything of the sort. This is just my suggestions based on my own experience traveling. So this is based on what I have practiced and I've been able to to really refine and, and things that have helped me with jet lag. But that being said, you know, I mentioned at some point in, in the podcast talking about taking melatonin. If you have any questions, concerns, whatnot about doing something like that, definitely make sure to, to loop with your doctor. In terms of talking a little bit about jet lag, before we get into it, if you haven't traveled before abroad or if you haven't gone on a long haul flight, then you might not have had jet lag, but I thought it would be helpful just to define what jet lag is. So the Mayo Clinic describes jet lag as a temporary sleep disorder that occurs when the body's internal clock is out of sync with cues from a new time zone. Cues can include light exposure and eating times. Fatigue and difficulty concentrating are symptoms. Basically, what we can take from this is that jet lag really does cause us to have a challenging time getting to sleep when we're moving throughout different time zones. So if I'm going from Sydney to the US, I'm moving over a couple of different time zones. When I land, it's going to be the opposite time in Australia that it is when I land. And that's going to be quite difficult if I land in the daytime in the US, but it's actually the middle of my nighttime in Australia. And so my circadian rhythm will be really out of sync. And so some of these things that we'll talk about today will help get it in sync with the time zone that you're actually landing in. 
Most recently, I have had, within the last 10 months, I've had four long-haul flights across the the world. So I've had two, actually three to Europe and one to the US. And I have been really practicing the jet lag tips that I will have that we'll cover in this podcast over the last three specifically, because last uh, let's see, last August, I had a trip to Europe for just a holiday. And then I went back not too long after I'd arrived, just two weeks back for a work trip. And I was only there for a few days. And I had terrible jet lag when I arrived on this work trip. And I had the worst jet lag I've ever had in my life when I came back. I just was really fatigued, really drowsy, really quite a lot of brain fog. I was sleeping at really weird times. And I just, it, it spanned on for about two weeks. It was, it just seemed to never end. I couldn't get on a good schedule. And after that, I just really wanted to figure out a way where jet lag wouldn't slow me down in the way that I had felt that it had on that trip specifically. And so one of my biggest goals has been, how do I find out what works for me and have a plan and a routine when I'm traveling so that I can mitigate jet lag. Um, the good news is it is possible. So if you do get really bad jet lag, it's really exciting that this is possible to mitigate. Whether or not we can remove it 100% completely, it's going to depend on the person, of course. And I also found that practice does make perfect. I have really been focused over the last two international trips I've had, so the last four long-haul flights, practicing what we're going to be talking about today and implementing those a little bit more each time, especially because, and I haven't talked about this on the podcast before, but I am a certified health coach and I got certified a couple of years ago. I don't actually health coach right now, but maybe someday it'll be something that, that I'll pick back up. But what we learned in the health coaching curriculum was a lot of how to work with people on creating positive habits around different health and, and wellness habits and, and whatnot to create a really healthy life that that they they really desire. And one of the sections that talked about when people change habits, it's really common that people want to learn something and they want to do it 100%. And so, you know, we'll talk about six things today, but set a goal for your next trip to implement one or two of them. And, you know, the next one, add another one on. It's a lot more sustainable and scalable if you're able to slowly change your what your routine is instead of 100% you know, turning it upside down, doing something completely different. That might be a little bit overwhelming to you. I know for me, sometimes when I try to change habits, if I'm going into it and I am doing something completely different than what I've always done, it might feel a little bit drastic and then it might be hard to keep consistent at. And so take a couple things from this list that we talk about, implement them on your next trip and then build upon them. That's really what I did. And that also allowed me to really figure out what works best for me. So these are the six things that really work well for me. They may work really well or they may not work for you. So the other part of this is also just a disclaimer, as with any suggestions, it's always going to be about taking things on board by figuring out what works best for you. With that, we will go ahead and jump into the six travel hacks to be jet lag. The first one, and this one's one of my favorites because I am also gluten-free, which I believe I've mentioned on the podcast before. And so traveling is a little bit more challenging in that I definitely have to be a really bit more conscientious on in terms of food, what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to eat, bringing food with me so that I don't get stuck in a situation where I can't find snacks or food and then I get quite hungry. So the first one is preparing healthy snacks 
I would definitely say usually fruits and veg. Nuts are also great as any you know, great fiber rich protein bars, great to bring along, but try to focus on whole foods. I will often bring, you know, a little travel bag of some fruits and or one of those hard containers, have some fruits in there. I also tend to bring a sandwich or wrap or you know, some sort of meal. If it's breakfast, maybe I'll do like an egg sandwich on gluten-free bread with gluten-free wraps and whatnot so that I can have this as I'm traveling. I'll usually try not to eat it until I'm on the plane because sometimes the plane actually forgets the gluten-free meal. The plane food in itself is not that satiating. I mean, we've all had plain food, especially in economy, or at least I, I'm in economy right now. So hopefully, maybe not forever, but right now I'm flying economy and you know what they are, are giving us is nothing short of just the bare minimum to keep us fed, but you know, not really satiated. It's also times often not full of fiber and it's not going to fill you up in the way that you you need to be, but it's also not lacking on the or it's lacking protein and, and the right nutrients to really keep your system running to the level that it needs to be if you're traveling for quite a while. And the reason why I say this is because if you're traveling for let's say 24 hours, it's a really long time to be eating not great food. And if you're eating not great food, it's slowing your system down. It's making it more challenging for you to really get past the jet lag or you know cope with the jet lag when you're in flight and then recover from it when you land. And so we want to really focus on prevention here. So we can really do that by eating great food, bring it on board. When I travel, almost fourth of my bag is snacks. I have snack bars, I have protein balls, I have fruits, I have vegetables, I have always a little nut trail mix and usually one or two meals just depending on the the flight type and whatnot. And so really important to be organized on this. Don't skip on this. But I think also too, we've all traveled to airports that didn't have great food. I will say, I'm going to call out here. This isn't going to be the last time that you hear me call out LAX. I really cannot stand LAX. I was there just recently when I was flying home from Montana and it was still terrible, even though I was in this new terminal that they had. Terrible food places, really sugary, super greasy, nothing remotely healthy at all. And I ended up with an acai bowl, but those are filled with sugar as well. And so I wasn't super excited about those options. Luckily, I did have some food that I had brought along. I had bought a a gluten-free sandwich before I had left Missoula. So I felt like I was in a good spot, but I was really adamant on this trip, packing really good foods to tide me over on both two and turning home from the US. The second tip is a bit controversial. Not everyone agrees on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't drink on flights. I never drink on flights. I haven't in a long time for a couple of reasons. One, alcohol dehydrates you. There's a lot of studies on this. If you've ever woken up with a hangover, one of the strongest ways to really confirm that alcohol <laughs> dehydrates you and and it makes it really difficult to maintain a sense of hydration that's going to really support your body to process through these changes and the the effort and whatnot that's going into traveling. The flight environment also dehydrates you. So if you're ingesting alcohol, you're also in a really dry, arid environment on the plane that's dehydrating you. Both of those things are working against you and the odds are really unlikely that you're going to be drinking near enough water to to actually uh, overcompensate for that. The other point here, it also disrupts your sleep. And 
the I read a number of articles on this. I've actually read studies on this before. Is it's been debunked ages ago that nightcaps and alcohol help you sleep. It's just not worth risking if you only have you already have a difficult environment to sleep in. You're on a plane, there's a lot of weird noises, babies crying, there's flight attendants, you know, offering you food and drinks and they're checking on you and asking you to buckle up your seatbelt and, you know, there's all these lights and whatnot. So it's difficult to sleep anyway. Don't make it more difficult by drinking and then trying to sleep in that environment. It's going to be quite challenging. And if you do fall asleep, that quality of sleep, it's already going to be a bit exacerbated by the circumstances, let alone drinking alcohol is going to make it a little bit worse. So I think really important to think critically about if you're drinking, how much you are drinking or just avoiding drinking, especially on these long haul flights. I think shorter flights, if you're going from you know point A to point B, it's domestic, really easy of course, like, you know, that's uh, not something that's going to give you a lot of jet lag. But for these long haul ones, you're spending 14 hours. That's that's seven hours of sleep time and seven hours of non-sleep time. And you don't want to be stuck there with an inability to sleep and then arriving groggy and not feeling your best self. My third is make sure to bring great travel supplies. There are a couple of travel supplies that I really recommend getting that have really helped me. One, most importantly, is going to be a really great travel pillow. I've had a number of travel pillows over the years. I've bought them online. I've bought them in airports and I have only found one that's really made a big change in my life. I, and a part of this as well, we'll talk about this in the next point, but I sit in the aisle seat, so I don't have anything to lean on. And so it makes it a bit difficult with the neck pillows that, you know, don't, they just kind of, uh, not even really prop your head up. It's almost like you have some sort of boa constrictor around your your neck. You know, it's not really doing anything other than just adding weight, to be honest. And so I did a lot of research before I bought another pillow and the one that I use now, it's called the Turtle. And again, this is not sponsored. They have no idea I'm making this podcast, but the Turtle pillow is has this kind of firm plastic part. It wraps around your neck and it kind of allows you to lean on the side, mostly propping you up, which is really great. Super easy to be used in the aisle seat and it's really lightweight. I just put it in this little bag and I clip it on my carry-on on the outside. I've never had any problems with it. It just takes up, you know, basically no space like unlike some of the bigger ones. I think that this one's really great. I have used it tons of times and I'm able to sleep really well in it. And two, like I can adjust it to either side as well. So I'll kind of change sides throughout the flight. And I really enjoy this one. It makes a big difference because, of course, as we've talked about, it's already difficult to sleep. So you don't want to make it any more challenging by having not great support, especially on some of these longer flights. The other pieces of equipment, travel equipment that I would recommend bringing is one, compression socks. Compression socks are lifesavers. If you have never used them, you don't use them, use them. They'll help keep your blood flowing, making sure everything's not settling down in your feet. And they also are really great into making sure your feet don't swell. If that happens to you, it does happen to me and a lot of people. So make sure that you're bringing those. And I usually wear them. If I'm going from here, uh, Sydney to Denver, I'll wear them the entire way there. Usually on the way back, I was flying from Missoula to, um, to Sydney, I really had two flights and then I stopped in LA for like six hours. I didn't put them on until the long haul flight. That's usually what I'll end up doing. They're really great. I wouldn't miss out on them. 
it's just super important to keep that blood flowing. You're sitting for a long time. You don't want to kind of have everything settle in, in the bottom of your legs. The last piece of equipment in this third point that I would recommend bringing is I bring a foot hammock. You basically clip it and it goes over the tray table in the little crease and then you can put your feet up. And this is one of the things you kind of glam out economy to make it as great as possible. I really love the foot hammock. It has been really helpful. If you are under five eight, I think that it would be a great option for you. If you're over five eight, it probably isn't going to be that helpful for you, unfortunately. But if you are, it's great. My a couple of my friends actually have it. One of my friends recommended it to me and I was really glad that I I purchased it. It's also really lightweight, super easy to travel with. It's basically, you know, it's it's no added weight really at all. And no one has said anything to me since I've used it and I've used it a number of times. So I don't think airlines care, although I have seen online at times that you know, maybe they are not allowed or whatnot, but I've never had a problem with it. And you can get it for, you know, 10, 15 bucks on Amazon, which makes it really easy. So just another thing to make it a little bit more comfortable for you, especially when you, you're tra- traveling a distance. The fourth point is movement. And I mean this in that when you're awake, try to get up and walk every hour. I really try to get up, do stretches, you know, do some upper body stretches. I'll even do little squats and a couple of lunges just to get the body moving, get the blood flowing, make sure you're not getting super stiff. And I have flown doing this and I've also flown not doing this and it has made a big difference. So there's been a few flights where I've just, you know, really not gotten up too much. I haven't focused on it and I feel really awful when I arrive back in Sydney. And so Try to get up and move as much as possible, making sure again, you know, you're not sitting for too long. And the with this in conjunction with the other tips that we've talked about thus far, again, we really want to mitigate the effects of this jet lag. So it's so important to move your body sitting on a plane for 14 hours plus if you are on a longer one, but sitting for, for 14 plus hours can be really taxing on your body. So you want to make sure that that's getting some natural movement and you're not too stationary sitting in your seat. I think with this one as well, I wanted to add, so I sit on the aisle seat and I've always done that. I really, when I was a bit younger, I loved the window, but I also, more than that, I love getting up. I don't really like to bother people and I want to get up and move around as much as possible. And if you're drinking as much liquid as you should be, you want to be getting up, getting moving, and you have to go to the bathroom and whatnot. So I sit in the aisle seat because that makes it really easy. A lot of people don't like the aisle seat and you know, I think there probably is some sort of quiz at some point of, you know, what your plane seat says about you. Mine probably says that I want to be in control of my plane experience and <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in the middle and not able to kind of get what up what I want. I don't want to bother people as well. And so I always sit in the aisle, but this really helps getting the movement, being able to go get water when you need to, be able to to walk around and whatnot during these flights. Because again, if, especially if you're going on a long haul flight, you know, eight, 10, 14 hours, you're going to not want to be super restricted. But I have actually sat next to people who have sat in the window seat for the entire 14 hours. And I just can't imagine that they, f- they wake up and feel 
that great. The next one is bringing along some sort of electrolyte or hydration multiplier. In Sydney, they have these in the chemist. They have them everywhere. In the US, when I was home, I got some of the ones that are popular there called Liquid IV. Again, not sponsored, just one that I found that has worked really well. This is really essential to help one, maximize your hydration, especially in these longer fights. We've talked about it's already a dehydrating environment. You want to make sure you stay really hydrated. The key to so many things is hydration. Hydration. It's you know the answer in in a lot of different spheres. And so if we're really hydrated and our body has enough fluids and it's operating uh, you know in its best form, it's going to make it a lot easier to mitigate the effects of jet lag. So make sure that you are bringing one of these. And also too, they usually have a lot of vitamins in them and some minerals. And I think that that's really helpful because when your body's in you know, travel mode, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of energy. And your body's also going through a big change when it's changing up the time zones and it's, it's getting a little bit less sleep. It needs a little bit more from you to be able to function at an elevated level. So bringing an electrolyte or hydration multiplier will really help you keep all that nutrients coming in and the, the hydration levels high. I also bring my own tea as well so that I can relax before I go to sleep for a little while with some nighttime tea or wake up with some really good tea, um, a little bit better than they have on the plane because they usually only have a couple of options. So I love bringing my own tea. I just did this recently on the last trip, had brought my own tea and it was just, it was such a move. You just ask them for hot water. They ha- usually have a hot water and um, can give you some for for your own tea, which which I really enjoyed. And the last, we saved the best for last is to use this app called Time Shifter. This isn't sponsored by Time Shifter. I just really enjoy this app. And I'll give you a little bit of backstory about how I found this app and, and what it does. So the app itself, you put in your flight starting destination and then your flight details. It maps out a schedule for you to sleep, drink caffeine, and get light, whether it's sunlight or screen light. And it does that to help you then get acclimated to the location that you are um, and the time zone that you are going to. For example, when I was coming back from the US, I had three flights, Montana to Sydney. It told me to sleep on my two domestic flights in the US. So Missoula to Salt Lake, I slept. Salt Lake to LA, I also slept. It also told me earlier that day to not drink caffeine because I would go to sleep around lunchtime, which around lunchtime in the US is the middle of the night in Australia. So I did that. And then it also tells you when to get get light. It tells you what to kind of change, when to change it. So when I had got to LA, I got a lot of light. Um, from screens and, and of course is in the airport. And then I also was able to drink caffeine is because I would then, the way it worked was 11 p.m. I would get on the plane. I would have dinner around 1 a.m. LA time. And then it had mapped out that I should try to go to sleep around 5 a.m. I didn't quite make it to 5 a.m. I made it to 3 a.m. LA time and then I fell asleep. And one of the things for this last trip I did is I had plugged in to let it know for the app to let me know when I should take melatonin. And I did that this trip and it was really helpful. So I plugged in when I should take melatonin. I took it and then I fell asleep for off and on for about seven hours, which was really great. I felt like I had gotten a really good good night rest, which was which is really awesome. How I came to find this app, I actually, when I was flying back from Europe and in 
last September, before my second trip, I had seen on Instagram, someone had posted a story about this time shifter app. And I remember looking at it and I was like, oh, that's so interesting. But I was like, you know, whatever it might be, like there's kind of so many things going on. And so I didn't look into it a bit more. I just remember seeing it and I read a little bit about it and went on my way. But when I came back and I had such bad jet lag, I was like, okay, I, I need to look in. There has to be some sort of technology to help assist with this. Or And as we talked about today, I think it's a multitude of different things to help, but the app itself is ingenious. They they do such a good job. It's also really nicely designed. It's really easy to use. Nothing crazy or hectic about it. It's exactly what you need to shift time zone that you're on to make sure you travel and get there um, in a really clear headspace and on that time zone. And the influencer who I saw post about it initially, she had said the same thing and she had been back and forth from Europe a couple of times as well and was like, haven't had any issues, have been using it, really loved it and really recommended it. And so I was really happy when I got to test it out on Amsterdam when I went there earlier this year. I didn't have any jet lag when I got there really at all, which was great. And then when I came back, I had ended up getting sick. So it was a little bit difficult to tell, but then the US trip. I didn't have any jet lag going there or coming back at all, which was really nice. I would definitely recommend setting that up and using that to also help guide a little bit of your patterns when you're on the plane. That is the six best ways to beat jet lag. A couple other notes that I wanted to share. When you land, it's really important to focus on getting outside, getting loads of light and following the schedule that Time Shifter lays out for you. They'll lay out a schedule for you for when you are there as well that you can follow. And also make sure to get out and get exercise. And by exercise, I don't mean going into the gym and busting out a couple hours of a workout. I mean, lots of walks. Um, This was really, really helpful. I did this when I had got to Denver from this most recent trip, lots and lots of walking. And then when I came back here, spent a lot of time outside getting that natural sun, getting your circadian rhythm to adjust to the time zone that you're that you're on will be really important to make sure that you're not going to have as long or maybe any jet lag in your destination. And my last tidbit for once you arrive in your location is what has really helped me in, let's say, when I was coming back here to Sydney, I arrived and I had slept on the plane, which was great. I worked the whole day and then had some activities in the Friday evening. I went to bed maybe 9.30, 10. So yeah, a little bit early, but I had taken melatonin. And so it helped me sleep really all throughout the night. I slept in the next morning till like seven and then woke up. I only had gotten the tiniest bit sleepy in the afternoon by maybe six, seven, actually early evening, tiny bit sleepy, went to bed at 10.30, woke up the next morning and I was perfectly fine. And so I really feel like all of these tips combined have helped me mitigate jet lag and make it the least impactful that it needs to be. You know, it's it's something that I think we can really work to implement strategies to make sure that it doesn't feel so consuming. I think maybe you have had a trip like that. I think maybe we all have had a trip other than a couple of those people out there that exist, but I don't know them that haven't had jet lag. Hopefully you enjoyed these tips and and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Really want to just say thank you so much for listening. Really means a lot to me. It's been so fun to really have this be our fourth episode and watch our ability to 
share our experiences and our thoughts and inputs and perspectives with all of you amazing listeners that we have out there. So thank you so much. It really means a lot to me. And if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, suggestions, feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to to us on Instagram or TikTok. We're on both of those. And we can't wait to see you back here next week. So I hope that you have a great morning, evening, whatever day it might be where you are. Have a wonderful day. And I think I'll leave off with a note from a Pilates class that I had this morning and that, you know, when you go off into your day or in your evening from listening to this podcast and all these great tips on, on jet lag that we've talked about today, take a little piece of love and give it to somebody that you care about. It's it's really easy to focus on the the negative things, the things that aren't working and whatnot. But today, focus on sending some love to someone who you haven't sent it to in a while. And so with that, I'll leave you all until next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>